Listener Production. Hi, I'm Anthony Matafari, and I'm the lifestyle editor at Car Sales. For me, when I'm out on the road on a road trip with friends and family, you tend to have conversations you wouldn't usually have anywhere else. So I thought it'd be a good idea to head out on the road with some well-known Aussies to get to know them a little bit better. Let's meet today's guest. Ash Riddell, thank you so much for having us along for the ride. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, so tell us, what are we sitting in at the moment? So we're sitting in a lovely and comfortable um, mm. Mazda 3. It is very comfortable. Mm. So have you had this car for long? I've had it for about two years, probably, yeah, two years. In good condition, very clean. I like how you've you know, vacuumed for you know, my travels today. Oh, only for you guys. <laughs> Would you call yourself a car person? Um, I don't really know of many cars, but when I do have a car, I like to treat it nicely. Okay. And you know this Mazda 3, obviously? Yep. Okay. Well, keen to know more about you and get to know about football, because I don't know a lot about football. So I think we've got knowledge exchange here, cars yeah, and can... football. Exactly. All right, let's fire this baby up and hit the road. All right. Would you like some air conditioning? A little bit would be lovely. Yeah. It's very warm today. It is warm. So Ash, uh, many people might not be familiar with your, um, your job title. So what is it officially? So, well, it depends by day or by night. Oh, well you are the <laughs> Hannah Montana of our guests <laughs> on this. Uh, but by, we'll start by night and then by the day. Yeah, so North Melbourne AFLW player at night time. Get to play sort of for play and train for six months of the year, um, which is really nice, and then, yeah, have six-month off-season. By day? And by day, I work as a teacher, full-time as a teacher at a primary school. Because that is quite a busy workload, really, because teaching as it is, very busy job. Yeah. Professional football player, very busy job. How do you find that balance? Oh, I think I'm still working it out. I, some days I've got no idea and some days I feel like I'm on top of the world and got everything sorted. But um, with football getting a little bit busier and busier, long term it's probably not sustainable. But I'll, um, yeah, sort of keep plugging along until I find, find a way to manage it all, I guess. When you were younger, did you ever foresee that you could end up being in the professional, you know, Tier 1 AFL league? Um, I always dreamt of being able to play AFL football, but I always knew that it wasn't a possibility. When, when I grew up, um, although I played footy with the boys when I was younger, it was only until I was about 12 years old, and then we weren't allowed to play with the boys. Mm. So it was never something that I thought was going to be a possibility. I did dream of it, but I never thought it would sort of come to fruition. What's that word again? Fruition. I know I can't even say that. Is it fruition? Fruition. 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 Yes, I never thought it would become a reality, but yeah, I'm super thankful that it has. What is a day like for you? Like, it's obviously got teaching and then you've followed it by footy. In in season, like, every time you wake up to go to bed, like, what what is a day like? Yeah, so if it's a training night, it... um, it's pretty much basically get up at 6.30 and um, head out to Eltham where the school I work at and sort of work from there until 3.30, 4.30 and then go straight to training after that. And training normally starts at about 5-ish and we finish training at about 9.30. So it's pretty much out the door at sort of quarter past seven and then home by 10 o'clock at night. 
do you foresee a day in your you know career that you won't have to have two jobs you can be a full-time full-paid football player yeah I'm not sure like I, I would love to see us go full-time but also I love the fact that I've got two things going on in my life I love the balance and seeing the kids at school and seeing them succeed because I think sometimes we'll get too I guess bogged down in football mm. and if you're not playing so well or if you're doing really well and do the kids know that you're a footballer as well? Yeah, and they certainly give you a lot of feedback if you don't play well. So <laughs> I've got you five, six, so they're um, pretty straight to the point. But then they also pump your tyres up when you do play well. So it's pretty honest. What kind of feedback have you received? The kids are pretty big on goals, and I'm not a massive goal kicker, so they're always like, Miss Riddell, why don't you score a goal? You're no good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'm tr- trying to teach them that it's not all about goals, but, of course, kids at that age probably don't see it like that so now they give me some um pretty harsh feedback and then some like obviously if we lose a game luckily we haven't lost too many games at North Melbourne so it's been pretty good and we've played finals and so forth but it's nice to see the kids when they do come to games and cheer really loudly so it's um it's been a good experience definitely bringing you down to earth if that's the case absolutely as a kid what were you like and I say as a kid, you are quite young, so <laughs> as it is. Um, but when you were more younger, um, what were you like? I was super sporty. I wasn't overly academic as a kid. I'd be the kid at school that tries really hard and um, probably didn't naturally grasp a lot of the academic concepts. But I'd always sort of try my best. But yeah, always very super sporty and had um, a ball in my hands at all times. So was football your first love or were you one of these kids that tried like every single sport you could? No, definitely footy was my first love. My dad um, and I were massive Collingwood supporters. So we always went to the footy and I absolutely loved it. But uh, my love for basketball sort of took over after footy when I knew that wasn't a possibility to continue with as a, as a female. So um, then I sort of found a passion for basketball but then realised I was probably too short to... Um, be able to do anything in basketball. So I um, was lucky enough that the footy league, uh, AFL women sort of started and when I was 18 sort of came back to footy and they accept shorter people. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, when you got that call to say you're in this team, you're in, you made the big time, like can you take us back to that moment? Like what was that like? Oh, I was, um, I missed out on two drafts. So I didn't get picked up. And so that was really, I was probably lost a little f- bit of faith in myself and a bit of faith in the system of how to get drafted and so forth. So I had to work really, really hard um, to be able to be considered for selection. So when I yeah did get that call that finally I was selected at North Melbourne, I was absolutely over the moon. I think, yeah, I was pretty emotional because it was finally sort of all the hard work had um, paid off. And were you working as a teacher at the time? I actually used to work as an osteo. Oh, okay. So I did a five-year degree, worked as a year as an osteo, then quit and decided to go back and do teaching. So when I first got drafted, I was still an osteo, and then um, sort of in my second and third year at the club, that's when I did my teaching degree. So this is my first year as a teacher, so I'm still learning what to do, and um, the kids certainly helped me along the way. What was your first car? It was a Toyota Echo, so a little shoebox basically. It was a red, bright red Toyota Echo with two doors um, that, yeah, didn't fit many people in comfortably at all. Um, so, oh, sorry. Of course it's peak hour and no one lets you in. Mm-hmm. I know I've got to get over, I won't be able to turn left. 
you will let me in. Ah, oh, skillful. There we go. Give him a wave. Uh, you gotta, you got to give him waves here. Um, I was going to say, if you didn't give that person a wave, I, I would have marked and, it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I did I Toyota Echo, little two-door, and it actually did all right. Like, to be fair, it had nothing, like no Bluetooth, no cruise control, and a long, like, aux cord that um, you played your music off that works some of the time and not... Um, others so and it had the little um, the windows that you wind up with oh, your yeah. hands so you get a bit of a guns workout as you do it <laughs> but no it was a good car it um, held me in good stead I had it for about oh five years until I got the Mazda so I've only had two cars in all my short lifespan hopefully well the um, it's a big upgrade you've gone from wind up windows and shoebox <laughs> to feeling quite comfortable with uh, everything's automatic in here oh and everything beeps and you know when you're doing something wrong <laughs> So it's good, and um, I think the biggest thing with this car was the reverse cameras. You actually knew how to park, like it helps you a lot with parking compared to the Echo where you're sort of making it up as you go and hoping that you're not hitting anything. What is, oh goodness, oh, mm. a bit of an argument. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we've just driven past a bingle <laughs> in peak hour traffic. Uh, what are your driving skills like? Like, are you? Oh, and then we've got some with the legs oh. out the window. Jeez, the things you see. Well, it's a nice sunny day, so you don't blame them. <laughs> um, no, I think my skills are all right driving. I um, touch wood. Haven't been in any major accidents or had any infringements, which is good. Yeah, I like to think I'm a safe driver. Mm. Well, I hope you think so too. Well, so far we've driven past lots of carnage, but you know... But I haven't been involved no, in any of it, wood, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, on your, um, back in the Echo days, was there any <laughs> memorable uh, road trips or kind of things that happened with that car? I just remember we drove to Adelaide in that car and because it wasn't a powerful car at all and didn't have cruise control or anything, all I remember is you'd go on the 110k highways and then suddenly it would just slow down to 80k's. It just couldn't sustain... <laughs> like going 110 k's for a long period of time. You'd feel like you're pretty cool and you're overtaking these cars, going the speed limit, and then suddenly you just go back and then all the trucks are overtaking you and then you're suddenly behind. So it's just sort of like cat and mouse games with the cars in front of you because the Echo had no power whatsoever. So, <laughs> But the good thing about that car was, like, you could literally put a tank of petrol in and it lasts you the whole way to Adelaide because it didn't chew up the fuel. That's so. I guess that's the benefit. But Took you three days to get there. Yeah, but take you a few days. <laughs> was your car glove box full of like CDs and stuff like that? Yeah, I had the old school CDs for sure. You know, so fresh. Oh, yeah. Um, hot summer hits, you know, those um, doozies. But um, there wasn't a whole lot because I'm a bit of a neat freak. I don't like clutter. Whereas nowadays your glove boxes, like I think there's rat tests in there for COVID. Let's have a look. Yeah, there's COVID tests. Oh, you're very, yeah. And masks. Oh, also, so you're. Um, yeah. Oh, and then the. Um, Sir Luke Melbourne and Melbourne Cup. Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Bid. <laughs> yeah, so these days it's very much. I'm very, um, obviously, hygienic and mm. everything in this car. Um, but yeah, because we'd. On the way to trainings, you have to do a rat test every time. So you just be frantically trying to do the rat test while driving and get all that done. So <laughs> it's a different story now. What's your go to songs to listen to in the car? Oh, yeah, I don't mind all the old classics, sort of probably what your parents would listen to. All the sort of, I don't know, the like Jessie's Girl, all that sort oh, of yep. 
Bruce Springsteen, ABBA, love a bit of oh, Gimme yeah. Gimme. Oh, yeah. I don't get fixated too much on certain songs. I like to mix it up and show that I'm pretty dynamic. Oh, very nice. So it's kind of like you create your own mixtapes then? Yes, yeah. So Spotify is handy and, yeah, I just normally chew through a few of the, um, like, daily daily mixes. Out of your teammates, do you think you are the best driver out of all of them or...? Oh, gee, I reckon a lot of girls think they're the best drivers. <laughs> but if you ask their partners, they're not. So... I reckon if I asked my partner, he'd say I'm a shocking driver. The Mazda certainly helps with all the gadgets. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I was when I was in the Toyota Echo, um, but I take a lot of pride in this car, so I like to not bang into any curves or anything like that. Well, that is very important. Yeah. Learning to drive, was that a fun, seamless experience, or was it a bit stressful? Actually, I remember the first drive with Mum. Actually, this is bad. I didn't realise, I thought cars were like (laughs) go-karts. So you just like two feet, one foot goes on the accelerator and one goes on the brake. So mum just sort of, I don't know, she must have had a lot of um, confidence in me. And she sort of just said to me, um, just jump in and we'll go down. And we went in the really hilly part of Eltham and got in the car and put my legs out and realised that you can't put two feet out like a go-kart, it doesn't really work like that. And I slammed straight into the curve. <laughs> and then mum's like, oh, maybe you just get out and we'll get your dad to teach you. <laughs> so she gave me, lim- I, I still blame her because she gave me limited instruction and expected me to know what I was doing. But yeah, then I had to go do the proper thing and go in the car parks and learn that way rather than get straight on on, on a hill. How much uh, longer after that did it take before she got back in the car? With it was a few weeks, definitely. Okay. <laughs> it was definitely a few weeks. So, yeah, she certainly um, yeah, probably regrets that experience. But, well, at least she had confidence in me. I'll give her that. She thought I was going to um, do all right, so... Was the Riddell family a big road tripping family? In my early days, yes. So we um, grew up in WA. Um, I was born in Sydney, grew up in WA. And so we used to do the, um, I think it must have been Perth to Broome trip, because that's about six hours, I think. Don't quote me on it, it could be totally wrong. But we used to do that trip, and I remember always being in the back seat with my brother. And that was the days before there was no DVDs you could watch, mm. nothing. So you'd just be, yeah, your typical kid, are we there yet? And it's hot and not the nicest experience. But other than that, we didn't actually do a whole lot of road trips as such. More recently, we've done a few. My partner, he's from um, Tamworth. So we've driven there a couple of times, which is like 12 hours from Melbourne. Pose for your photo outside the big uh, golden guitar. Oh, exactly, exactly. Go for country music festival, get around the locals. We love it. So um, now that's been the big sort of road trips that we've done more recently. Is there any road trips that you'd like to do that you've seen on Insta or just on travel shows and like, yeah, one day I'm going to pack the Mazda and we're going to hit the road? Yeah, I'd love to do WA and just go straight up and, yeah, even um, Rottnest Island, obviously drive to Rottnest Island and then get over there on a boat or, yeah, how do you get over there now? Boat, I assume. I imagine it's a ferry or a boat, yeah. Something like that, so... Yeah, I think WA would be pretty cool now that we can, um, now that we're allowed in WA. Mm. Is your family still live over there or did everyone move over? Nah, so it was just all my family's from Melbourne, so my parents grew up in Melbourne. So you would classify yourself real Melbourneian then? Absolutely. Real uh, hipster, 
So, yeah. So you're a coffee person then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely a coffee snob, that's for sure. So is coffee good before you do sport? Look, I'm not a sporty person, oh. so any insights you can give me into how to be fit without putting in the effort, <laughs> I'd really appreciate. I reckon I have three coffees before a game. Oh, wow. Yeah, and probably strong. It's probably really bad. Don't do this at home. But um, And then also a little um, pickle, so I don't pickle. cramp. Yeah, right oh. before a game, I'll have a little pickle. So then, yeah, my calves don't cramp up if I get too slow. What's the science behind the pickle? Apparently, pickle juice helps remove cramps. I've got no scientific background to tell you why, but that's the that's on the rumour mill. Okay. Um, and I just listen to what they say. Oh, well. I, well, next time um, I'll go to the gym, I'll have a pickle beforehand. <laughs> um, what would you say is the biggest difference between playing suburban club football or playing for, you know, major league AFL club? Oh, it's probably the um, seriousness of it because your local footy, you'd go to the pub after, have a few drinks and celebrate and whatnot, whereas at AFLW level, it's more about recovery straight after a game, your ice baths and all that stuff. So I reckon that's probably the biggest difference between sort of the two different levels of competition. Also probably just, yeah, the professionalism and the doing your gym right, doing all your running and, and so forth. How are the ice baths? Is that? Oh, like I don't a... do them. I refuse. Oh. I'm not into ice baths whatsoever. I'm I'm the one that will sit in the warm bath, <laughs> just because I'm a sook. Like it feels like it's burning you. Like I don't see the point. Is there any other weird kind of sciencey stuff that you have to do as a professional athlete? It's probably yeah the ice baths, and then sometimes we get in the saunas. I don't mind them. Just sit sit back in the sauna and relax. They're they're pretty on top of it. Do you name your cars? Do you know what I named my first car? That was called Penelope. Oh. Don't ask me why. I was a young and dumb 18-year-old. I just thought it looked... I think because it looked like a shoebox and it was bright red and just looked a bit small and petite, it just looked like a Penelope. But I'm yet to name the Mazda. I've, yeah, I've probably got to do that. So what, is, what would this Mazda look like then if you had to name it? Well, it's polymetal grey is the correct term of it. Oh. It kind of looks like a, um, maybe like a bullet because it's a car mm. lower, to, lower to the ground. It can go quick, it's got cruise control, it's got all the gadgets. Yeah, maybe some form of bullet. <laughs> I don't know how I've come up I with that, I'm just looking at the I just, shape. I just love the, some kind of bullet. Yeah, I'm like, I, don't, I don't know the variations of bullet, but we could probably <laughs> Google that after. But yeah, some variation of bullet. That's fair enough. Um, for any female out there, you know, they might be 10 years old, they might be 15, 20 years old, what advice would you give them if they wanted to pursue a career as a professional footballer? I think just seek as much feedback as you can. I think it's, yeah, people often shy away from feedback because we're scared of getting offended, but it's probably the best thing that, that we can do if we're willing to accept the feedback. Obviously someone that you trust and... But I think, yeah, feedback can only make us better and if we can work on sort of not only our um, weaknesses but also our strengths, you'll go a long way to sort of pursuing a career in AFLW. You are early in your you know, professional career, both as a teacher and as a footballer, but did you have a moment where you walked out somewhere where you were in an event and you're like, I've made it, this is it, like, it, wow, I can't believe it? Yeah, I think... Probably the last couple of seasons, it probably hasn't been a moment, but just I probably think that I've made it 
based on my consistency. So I think one game, you can't just make it off one game. And so that's why I'm probably less inclined that it's a moment, but moreover, yeah, just putting in good work over a consistent period of time is probably when, yeah, I've thought I can actually continue at this level and keep um, challenging my peers. Because you've won best and fairest a few times. Like, that's a really big honour to receive. When you your name gets called out, like, what is your reaction to that? Oh, obviously surprise, and we're in a really talented group that's making finals most years. So, obviously playing with some really, really good players. So, it's, um, it's really good, but it's also because I'm surrounded by those players that help me sort of get the footy and, and shine in my own way. Um, that goes a long way as well. If you had to choose, would you prefer to be best or fairest? Fairest, I think, yeah. I'd like to think that I go about things in a fair way and probably care more about consistency rather than just being sort of a show pony, one hit wonder. We've only been in the car for a short time, but the vibe I get from you is a very humbled person who's not out there to make the front pages of the newspaper. Happy to chill out, happy to just take it as it comes, so yeah. If you weren't playing football, and I guess if you before you even got that far to go to uni to do osteo, like, did you have like a, when I grow up, I want to be a something? I think, because I was always into sport, I think when I was younger, it was definitely to be a professional basketball player. Obviously, as I got older and everyone got taller, I realised it's probably, you've got to be absolutely outstanding to make it at that level with my height. So that was quickly debunked. That was probably the dream, and I think always to be some sort of sports person was the dream. So in some sporting codes have had professional female teams for ages, but in places like um, AFL, that's only a new thing. Why do you think it is important that all sports, I guess, hero professional female teams and codes? We get asked this question a lot, and I keep coming back to the same quote. I remember seeing just before I started playing AFLW, it was this quote, I think when the league first started up and it was, if you can't see it, how can you be it? Mm. And I thought that's so true because when I was growing up, there was no female athletes obviously playing footy. So that was just a dream that was never going to be a reality. So I think now that young girls can see it and now that I work in a school where the same amount of girls are playing footy at lunchtime as boys because now there's a pathway that girls can aspire to be like. And I think, yeah, it's so important now that we're doing it and we're being seen, there's so many more avenues and possibilities open up for young girls that now at least they might not have to play football, but at least they've got the opportunity to explore it and make their own decision if they like it or not, rather than um, the governing bodies or, of each organisation make that decision if they can play or not. Is that extra stress for you to, I guess, be a role model and be constantly watched and expected to be the face of, you know, change? Yeah, it, it is definitely an added responsibility, but I guess as a teacher, obviously we've got to be role models in our profession. So in a sense, I'm sort of used to it, but I'm also proud that we're all sort of igniting the the change in women's sport and sort of standing up for what we believe in. But we're, yeah, we're the change that's gone a long way, that now girls, suddenly it's kids, girls, babies getting born. They won't even know that women weren't allowed to play sport back in the day. So it's so different, but it's something that I think we're all really proud of. Is there any other changes that you'd like to see in the AFLW and even, I guess, from a school level of 
how we teach kids or what we get them to do. It's funny because I even speak to my kids a lot at school. Even when we read a lot of books and stuff, there's always the boy's the hero or the boy saves the girl in, a, in our stories. And I guess I make a conscious effort to make sure it's a balance of both, both um, men and women being the heroes in the story or and whatnot. I think there's still a long way to go in that space, but if, um, that's why I love teaching so much because I've got an opportunity to, um, I guess, impart my two cents on these kids and hopefully it's not even a question for them when they're older. They see women and men as equal and that they can have shared responsibilities over things that used to probably be seen as traditional for um, just women or just men. In 10 years' time, 15 years' time, you've had a long, successful career, you've hung up the boots. What would you like to do post um, a career? I know I don't want to write off your career yeah. too early, but <laughs> if we have, you know, got into the future. I think um, I'd love to combine, obviously, my teaching and football passion together. So some sort of coaching, I'd love to go down that track um, in whatever level it looks like, or even working in schools, doing coaching pathways and so forth with football or whatever sport it might be. I'd love to sort of, yeah, combine those two passions together. I'm not fantastic at football. <laughs> what kind of tips, if I wanted to go and impress people, you know, kick the ball at lunch at work, what kind of things should I be conscious about? Like, what do I need to do to, you know, do the basics right? Just don't kick it like a soccer ball. So okay, make sure yeah. you make the distinction between the two <laughs> sports. Don't throw the ball. So actually you've got to handball the ball. So punch it. Yeah, so punch it. We say at school, you've got to scoop the ice cream. So this is the spoon and you've got to scoop it out. Scoop it out. Don't go for the miracle goals. Just if you're having a set shot on goal, just go close, start, start in and work your way out. Don't try and do all the trick shots just yet because you'll make yourself look silly. Are you saying that as somebody whose role is not to kick all yeah, the goals? Exactly. Be part of the <laughs> Just start in close and look good. How do you get the bounce, like without it bouncing the wrong way? Like... Oh, that's hard. That is hard. It's um, Sometimes people bounce too hard, so you've actually got to make it a little bit softer so it comes straight back up here. Sometimes people try and drill it into the ground and it just goes off with the fairies. So. Now that you're filmed, and like more so, and it's broadcast, if you do stuff up, are you conscious of, oh, great, now if everyone's seen that I can't you know, bounce a ball, or are you oblivious to all the cameras? Oh, in-game you don't care, but after a game your teammates will um, make a joke about it pretty quickly, so... The only thing I've done that I've copped it was I had to do an in-match interview mm. and so it's really hard because you've just come off and then you're going up to the cameras and speaking. But I reckon the first four seconds was just me breathing. <laughs> like they asked a question, I was just breathing really heavily and I absolutely copped it after because I was being an absolute drama queen with it. I just need to hold in the breath for a few seconds. But, yeah, that's that's probably the worst thing I've done that's made a fool of myself. Well, I, I do feel sorry for you all because you've been out there running around. Exactly, that's what I like, said. And they're like, put a camera and a <laughs> microphone in your face and you... <laughs> that's what I said, but teammates didn't cop that. <laughs> Are there any things that, like, if someone stuffs up, they have to buy a round of drinks for everybody or, like, you know, these yeah. kind of things? Yeah, so we do have fines list. So, basically... Each week we get some of the younger girls to run it. So if you do something silly during the week, it might be a $2 fine, $4 fine, whatever it might be. And then, so, for instance, I got fined for um, that breathing incident. <laughs> so I think I got I got five bucks for that. So then it goes, all the money that we make at the end goes towards your footy trip and end-of-season celebrations. Who's 
the um, biggest contributor to that fund? Mia King in our team, like, undoubtedly. She just loses everything, posts some silly things on Instagram, <laughs> just... Yeah, she's off with the fairies, so yeah, she's number one. So I guess it's a bad thing because going off brand for the club, but a good thing because it's the great money for the end of season celebrations. It's all paid for then, so you Fantastic. can't complain. So when you're not being the Hannah Montana of Melbourne <laughs> with your dual life, um, how do you wind down? Like, where else would we find you away from the footy field and away from the classroom? Because I live in Brunswick, I like to go out to restaurants and pubs and just have a nice meal. So. My partner and I, all my family, we always like to have a dinner out each week and just unwind and chill out, I think. What's your go-to cuisine? Ooh, I've been getting a lot of Mexican lately. Um, there's a nice little Mexican joint um, around near us, so we've been trying that out. And the cocktails go quite nicely with Mex- Mexican too. Your margarita girl? Or, do you know what, I'm really at the moment, which probably doesn't go as well with Mexican, into amaretto sours. Oh. Yeah. yeah bit of a clash of cultures. But yes, nice. but we, we make it work one yeah. way or the other. <laughs> Alright Ash, well I know you've got to head off to one of your jobs, training, teaching, <laughs> cooking. Um, I like to ask all the guests this, life is like a road trip, you know, it's got its ups and downs, hills and valleys and all that kind of stuff. If you had to sum up your life in those kind of journey terms, how would you describe it? Right now, like yeah. where my life, I think... Do you know what? I've just been on a big uphill, I feel like. I've been driving up really slow with the two jobs going at once. And now that um, I've got a little bit of a break from footy, I feel like I'm on the downhill going towards all my holidays and social life getting back on track. (laughs) Ashford, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having us along for the ride. Not a problem. Thank you. Along for the Ride is a listener and car sales production hosted by me, Anthony Matafari. Producer is Kelsey Menzies, audio by Kelly Fulston, and executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.